So please have your Bibles to the book of Revelation, and today will be broadcast number 27, which means this is week number 27, and we've accumulated around 12 hours of material thus far, and from Revelation chapter 15, let's begin in verse 1, if we may. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvellous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. This language is very similar to chapter 12, which is where the Catholics go to get their doctrine of Mary being the Queen of Heaven. And from chapter 12, verse 1, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being a child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. That, of course, is a vision from heaven. And everything that happens in heaven seems to be happening on the earth, and vice versa, concerning those of us which are saved. A great wonder in heaven, chapter 12, 1 and 2, and from chapter 15, another sign in heaven, another miracle in heaven. Great and marvellous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for them has filled up the wrath of God. People speak about the second coming, And people say that they are looking forward to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet at the same time, they don't really understand what that's all about. Before the Lord comes back, most of this earth are going to be wiped out. And yet you will never hear that preached in any church in Britain, America or Canada. Like any Catholic church, like any Anglican church, like any Methodist church, like any Baptist church. And I look at all these politicians around the world especially over the last few days, flocking to church to do religion. And I know these people are not saved. I looked at some uh, pictures this morning from a cathedral in Washington, which was attended yesterday by the new American president. And I saw a Catholic cardinal there. I saw a Mormon apostle there. I saw a Buddhist there. I saw a rabbi there. I saw a lot of religious people. And the word of God says to come out from among them. Don't touch the unclean thing to be separate, so on and so forth. And I think to myself, why are politicians so desperate to to do religion? I mean, if they're saved, okay, fine. But if you are saved, you wouldn't want to be around such people. Yes, there's protocol, and yet, once you become the American president, or once you become the British prime minister, or once you become a member of the British royal family, you've got clout. You can pick and choose where you go and what you do. The whole thing, of course, is a farce. It's the wrong type of religion. And I've spoken about this over the years. It's man trying to reach God his own way. And yet God has come to the earth and he's sought out those of us. He's found us which were lost. He's brought us unto himself. He has redeemed us. And yet people want to do religion. People want to be a part of a system. People can't stand being on their own, having just time with the Lord. Like the Apostle Paul, who has been three years in the desert in Arabia, but Revelation 15:1 from broadcast number 27, being week number 27, speaks about a wonder in heaven, a sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels, and I mean angels, having the seven last plagues. This is the Lord's final throw of the dice, if you will. From chapter 14 onwards, no one else gets saved. This is the point of no return. For in them is filled up the wrath of God. People don't like the idea of God being spoken about as being angry, like hating or being angry with all workers of iniquity. 
how he says that all those nations that forget God will be turned into hell. And that's where you know, and that's how you should know whether or not you are in a decent place of fellowship. Does your preacher preach that type of message? Does your preacher reprimand those in his congregation? I watched the inauguration a few nights ago, and I was very interested to see who was there. And I thought to myself, wouldn't it be great if one of those men or women that had been invited got up and preached the gospel? You've got maybe two billion people around the world watching that event. You had a Catholic cardinal. You had this so-called female pastor. You had a rabbi. You had the son of Billy Graham. You had all of the good and the great. And not one of them got up and said, repent. Not one of them got up and said, except you repent, you shall likewise perish. Not one of them said how Christ died for the sins of the world and how you must be born again. And of course, you know that had such a person even attempted to preach such a message, they would have been quickly removed from the stage. People pick and choose which parts of scripture they like. Like when you go to a supermarket, you pick and choose which types of foods that you like, which ice creams you like, uh, which loaf of bread you like. You pick and choose the bits that you want and you throw out those that you don't. But here, pre the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, seven angels are going to attack the world, if you will, with seven plagues. And that term plague is a very powerful word. You think of the plague of London. You think of plagues over the dark ages where thousands of people were killed as a result of disease. And I saw another wonder in heaven. And I saw another sign in heaven. And I saw another miracle in heaven, great and marvellous. Seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. God is angry with the wicked every day. Absolutely true. And yet at the same time, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, but have everlasting life, have eternal life, have life without end. So you see the two go hand in hand. God is angry, and yet at the same time he is very loving. He's holy, and yet at the same time he is a God of justice. Look at verse 2, please. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. This is a throwback to chapter 6. In fact, this is a throwback from uh, chapter 4, excuse me, from chapter 4, verse 6. 24 elders seated or standing around the throne of God. You've got angels present. You've got seraphims present. They have six wings. Two of their wings cover their faces because they are in the presence of holiness. Two of their wings cover their feet because they are on holy ground. And the other two wings are obviously to allow them to get from A to B. When you are in the presence of deity, you are in the presence of holiness. And again, this doesn't get preached. When I look at all these politicians in the UK, and I've been following politics, unfortunately, for over 20 years, and I remember these people before they come into government, and they speak about being atheist, and they speak about uh, being uh, part of this academic class, and they make fun of uh, Bible-believing Christians. And at the moment they come into government, they run to the nearest church. And I can think of the previous former Deputy Prime Minister, a very arrogant man, a very uh, prideful man, a man who was quite happy to tell you that he was an atheist and passed laws that made it difficult for Christians to live and breathe in the UK. And when he got married around uh, 15 years ago, he said to his wife, 
Well, honey, you know that I'm an atheist and I'm not going to allow our children to go to any kind of faith school. And she said, that's okay, honey, that's fine. No, that's not what happened. He married this woman, a Catholic Portuguese lawyer, and his children go to a private Catholic school. What a hypocrite. He's passing laws in Parliament to make it difficult for street preachers, to make it difficult for those of us which believe in the word of God. And yet at the same time, his children are going to private Catholic schools. What a fuss. I can think of another British politician who has been pushing awful legislation over the last 30 years. And again, she's like a lot of these people, been in government for far too long, although she's no longer in government. And she is a hardline feminist slash atheist. And she got married around 30 years ago. And her husband is a Catholic. And she said to her husband, well, honey, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in uh, people that are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all a big illusion, so on and so forth. So our children are going to go to secular schools. No, that's not what happened. Her and her husband send their children to a private Catholic school. What's going on here? These people say one thing and do another. Look at Mrs. Pankhurst. This unsaved woman took the British Empire on, went to jail, along with at least one of her daughters, spent months in jail for her beliefs, wouldn't give the state the time of day. And now there are statues around London in memory of her. And yet who remembers the judge that sent her down? Who remembers the Prime Minister or the Home Secretary that she came up against? No one does, of course. And that's why it's worth just remembering sometimes that unsaved people are, on occasion, better examples than many religious people. But here, Revelation 15 to you've got a picture of a sea of glass mingled with fire. Almost a picture of transparency. And them that had gotten the victory over the beast, Antichrist, and over his image, some kind of a statue, some kind of an idol, and over his mark, 666, and over the number of his name, same as the mark, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. Tribulation saints, of course. In fact, I saw a photograph a few days ago of the new president going to the uh, Lincoln Memorial, and I've been there back in, I think, 2001, before I was saved, this huge statue, massive statue of Abraham Lincoln. Now, we've got statues in England. We've got statues of our past dead, but nothing on this size. This thing was huge, the sort of thing you'd see in North Korea, the sort of thing you'd see in uh, Soviet Russia. And I know that he is thought of as a great man, and I think there was at least one quote that he may have been saved I know Patrick wrote about him some months ago, and if that's the case, praise the Lord. But I thought to myself this, that statue of Lincoln, Lincoln, massive statue, is a type of thing that will be built in honor of the Antichrist during the Great Tribulation. And of course, you know from the book of Daniel that when Nebuchadnezzar built this statue, you were forced to bow down and worship such. And if you didn't, off with your head. So here... 15.2 is a picture of those in the tribulation, the church is long gone, that have got the victory. They have refused to bow the knee to the Antichrist, like those that wouldn't bow the knee to Baal back in the Old Testament. And as such, they are going to be pictured in heaven with the Lord. Some people like to go to this piece of scripture to suggest either a mid-trib rapture or a post-trib rapture. 
Personally, I don't accept either. I retain the view that the rapture takes place before the tribulation, and at best we come back with the Lord at the end of the tribulation. Chapter 19. On top of that, they have harps of gold, and harps of God, instruments of some kind, and they are rejoicing, they are worshipping the Lord. That's what heaven is all about. And that's why it's a farce if you ever see these unsaved politicians flocking to cathedrals or churches. They're not saved for the most part, and they don't offer themselves as being saved, and yet at the same time they think that everyone is going to go to heaven. It's a joke. It's a farce. It's an abomination. That's why sometimes I just wish that when such events take place, somebody would get up and at least preach the gospel, at least give people the chance to hear the gospel. But of course, you know, the gospel is an offense. On top of that, these are career clergy, professional preachers, unsaved, of course, or at best apostate. Let's keep reading on from 15 verse 3, please. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvellous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Jesus Christ, as far as we are concerned, is not our King per se. He's the King of the Jews. He's the King of Israel. He's the Son of David. For us, he is our Saviour. But for the Jews, he is their King. He is their Son of David. And here, It says how they sing the song of Moses, Jewish Christians. Go back to Acts chapters 1 to 15 and read how the first century church worshipped the Lord. Jewish Christians keeping the Sabbath, uh, observing dietary restrictions, going to the temple, doing this and doing that because they were Jews. And yet at the same time, Acts 13, 39 from memory and Acts 1510 from memory makes it clear to us that observing Jewish rituals, so on and so forth, didn't save them, won't save us. They were simply doing so because they were Jews. They were under the old covenant, as it were, and yet believers in Jesus, referred to as Yeshua in Hebrew. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, Jewish Christians, after the church has been removed, and the song of the Lamb. You can't miss it, save Jews saying, Great and marvellous are thy works. Give the Lord glory, Lord God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. It's all about worship. The Word of God says how you must worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And that's why I cringe when I put the television on or I go online and I hear all these religious people speaking about God and Jesus. And I think to myself, but do you even know him? Do you love him? Do you love his word? Or are you just going through a system? Are you just doing religion? Verse 4, please. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee. For thy judgments are made manifest. Imagine preaching that this past week in Washington Cathedral or Westminster Abbey or any cathedral in Europe. You be quickly removed. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? Yeshua, Jesus, Yahweh, Adonai, Elohim. For thou art only holy. How about that? For thou only art holy. No mention here of Muhammad. No mention here of Mary. 
no mention here of Allah, for thou only art holy. So when you get saved, if you are saved, you become holy as well because you receive Christ's imputed righteousness. And on top of that, if you get your hands on a King James Bible, you are receiving God's holy word. In fact, quick footnote, one of the photographs that I also saw a few days ago, it's been a busy week, when Mr. Trump swore on the Bible, it wasn't a King James Bible, unfortunately. It was an RSV, a revised standard version. And I thought, what a shame. What a shame to put his hands on a Westcott, Westcott and Holt Bible. A corrupt Bible. For all nations shall come and worship before thee. Millennium, of course. For thy judgments are made manifest. If you were to sit down with a Calvinist and ask him to correctly and concisely and honestly exegete this piece of scripture, he couldn't do so. At best, he would spiritualize this piece of scripture. Because for the Calvinist, he thinks that Christ is already ruling. Catholics also believe the same. Now, at best, you could say that Christ is ruling in a spiritual sense, but even that doesn't really do justice to the text. At the moment, most people are in unbelief. Most countries are agnostic. Most countries are enemies of the Lord. It's only for those of us which are saved that are worshipping the Lord and are a spiritual army, a spiritual priesthood. We, of course, are the spiritual temple of God. And that type of message goes right over the heads of many people. For thy judgments are made manifest. So ask yourself this question. If you are a church goer, if you are a member of a denomination, how often does your preach uh, how often does your priest get up and preach such a message? Or your pastor, or your deacon, or your elder, or your superintendent. I want to make this point. People say that they go to a great church, and most religious people are very uh, prideful of their religious system. They think they have the truth, like most Football fans in this country, which are followers of a particular football club, they're very proud to go to such a place and they will fight tooth and nail to defend their teams. And yet those teams couldn't give you the time of day. And every so often I upset people when I put a video online and I speak about politicians, for example, or preachers, for example, and I offer my thoughts concerning such and people get upset with me. People say, you shouldn't say that or... You know, he's a great man or she's a great woman. But here's the thing. Do you know such people? Do you spend much time with such people? One of my future projects will be to put a video or two up in defense of Israel. I love the Jews. I am very proud of Israel having the right to be where they are. I'm very uh, pro-Jews being in the land of Israel. And I make no apologies for that. And I despise anti-Semites. I despise people that attack Jews. And I despise those that think that the church has replaced Israel. And yet, at the same time, I will stand against uh, some of the Jewish leaders in Israel. And I will say that this man was a Freemason, or this woman was a, a criminal. And I will say that. And that upsets people. But you see, if you go back to the Old Testament, the prophets wrote about their kings, and they told you what those guys got up to. Like Samuel, writing about David and Saul, he was very clear when David fell and stumbled, and he was very clear when Saul fell and stumbled. But you see, it's like an emotive subject. And sometimes people will fall out with you when you speak against some of their idols, some of their friends. But go back to what I said. Such people wouldn't give you the time of day. 
And that's why it's so important to check yourself out. Because many times people that fall out with you over unsaved politicians or apostate preachers or just unsaved people in general are out of fellowship with the Lord. They are carnal. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? You better glorify him. You were told that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. For thou only art holy, completely annihilates the ecumenical movement. And yet you try and find one preacher that would dare preach such a message in London, Washington, Paris, Rome, Madrid, Wellington, New Delhi, Barcelona. You won't find anyone who would dare preach such a message or Singapore or Malaysia or Beijing. And if they would attempt to do so out on their ear, they'd be fired straight away for thy judgments are made manifest. It's going to come. And that's why you need to be very wise not to be too quick to, on the one hand, endorse unsaved people because if they're not saved, you will be destroyed with them. Or if they are saved but are backsliding or have become apostate, you will be chastised at the judgment seat of the Lord. Look at verse 5, please, from Revelation chapter 15. And after that I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testament in heaven was opened. And the seven angels came out to the temple, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure and white linen, and having their breasts girdled with golden girdles. Seven angels, always spoken of as being male, being masculine, depart from the temple. In heaven, of course, not on the earth. And they have the seven plagues, and they are clothed in golden girdles. They are picturing holiness. They are sent to... Punish the earth. And again, if you think you are part of an apostolic church, if you think you are a member of a Bible-believing church, let me know if you find such a place. Put this piece of scripture to your pastor, or your priest, or your deacon, or your elder, and ask him or her, I saw Mrs. White this past week in Washington, to explain such a verse to you, and ask him or her to exegete such a passage for you and they will fail miserably because to preach such a message of judgment the death of millions and not billions is not only unpopular but it's spiritual suicide and that's why if you become a pastor in a typical church in Britain or America the deacons like to know in advance what type of message you are going to preach they will vet the type of message that you are going to preach And I've read about some churches which have made it very clear that if you attempt to preach against Freemasonry, for example, a subject which I'll be writing about for March's newsletter, you are fired. And you say, why would that be? Because the church is friendly towards Freemasonry. In fact, last night I happened to come across a clip, purely by chance, concerning a well-known Hollywood actor who I shan't name. And this guy was an A-star actor in his day, made over 150 films. And it was one of those, this was your life type of things. I look back over this man's career and I watched the first five minutes and the uh, presenter said, well, such and such, you are a great actor. You've made over 150 movies and you are very respected in this area and that area. And also, by the way, you are a 32nd degree Freemason. And I thought, wow, it was like someone just punched me in the stomach. I wasn't expecting that. 
And he gave a nod as if to say, yes, very proud of that. And I thought, you fool. You are a 32nd degree Freemason. You think that God is Satan and that Satan is God. And you believe in this deity called Yabulon. And when you meet in your Masonic halls, the name of Jesus Christ is prohibited. It was like, what is going on? And I thought to myself, the guy doing the interviewing, the interviewer, was clearly an unsaved man. And I stopped the video at that, at that point. Left a comment. As well, in fact, here's a little thought for you. For those of you which want to get the gospel out. To those of you which may have time in your hands to leave comments on YouTube videos. Leave Bible verses on YouTube videos. John 3.16 is fine. Acts 4.12 is fine. Uh, 1 Timothy 2.5 is fine. Or 1 Timothy uh, 3.16 is fine. Or John 5.24 is fine. Or Revelation 8.1.2 and 3 is fine. Because millions of people not only watch these videos, but read the comments on such videos. I thought to myself, what a great shame. But I wasn't surprised. Because these people don't get to the top without doing dodgy deals. And I thought to myself, that man has been dead for 25 years now, or thereabouts. Unsaved, lost, like most people. And his God, Yabulon, can't help him, can't save him. And if the truth be known, wouldn't give him the time of day. And of course, we know that the devil is behind such people. But here, these angels having the seven plagues, which seem to be the same as the uh, seven trumpets, are going to desecrate those on the earth, destroy those on the earth, uh, completely annihilate those on the earth, those that have refused to bend the knee. And as we keep on saying, people get the governments that they deserve. And the truth can also be offered in regard to that statement. People get the churches that they deserve as well. Look at verse 7, please, from chapter 15. And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials for the wrath of God, who liveth forever and ever. Almighty God, of course, is eternal. And incidentally, this reference to seven appears 54 times in the book of Revelation. Number five pictures death. Number six pictures man. Number seven pictures completion. Number eight pictures something new, like the millennium. And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God, who liveth forever and ever. Four beasts, probably four cherubims, found back again. In Revelation uh, chapter 4. But here's the thing. You might be thinking to yourself. This is a pretty heavy message today. And I'm not sure what to do with myself. I want to do something for the Lord. Well do this. Believe on him. Receive him as your saviour. Just stop what you're doing for five seconds. And receive him. Believe on him. And you say what do I do next? Start reading the scripture. Yesterday morning by the grace of God. I was able to finish the Old Testament. It's taken me 21 days, and I worked out that over 21 days, I have been able to read around 49 pages a day. It's been quite a task. It's been quite a battle, not just to find the time, but to deal with the world, the flesh, and the devil. On top of that, to actually read the scriptures, and you were told to meditate on the word of the Lord day and night. You were told to study to show yourself approved unto God. 
a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You were told to memorize the scripture. You were told to search the scriptures like the Bereans would do over in Acts 17. Christ would tell you over in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 5 from memory, that to search the scriptures because they have the uh, words of God. And yet most Christians give the Lord lip service. Now, of course, if you haven't got the time to read the Bible, like uh, 49 pages a day, fair enough. Revise it down to maybe 22 pages a day. Or revise it down to maybe 11 pages a day. And on top of that, please get your hands on a King James Bible. Any other Bible is a waste of time. So that's a task for you. To read the scripture daily, if you can. And if you are doing so, keep on going. And if you haven't begun, don't start now. It's too late in the month. Maybe start on the first of the next month. Look at verse 8, please, from Revelation chapter 15. And I will close. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no man was able to enter into the temple. To the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. You won't get anywhere near the Lord until you are born again. Never mind being baptized. Never mind speaking in tongues. Never mind becoming a deacon or a Freemason or a Mormon or a Muslim. In fact, just thinking about that event that took place yesterday in Washington Cathedral, to see a Mormon elder there, a Mormon apostle there, I think it's unprecedented. I may be wrong when I say that, but to see a Mormon apostle present at such a place. See, for the Mormons, they think they are Israel, and they think that only they have the truth. So for them to be seen at such a place is very interesting. It's like the, uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses. They have a, uh, they have a seat on the, uh, on the uh, UN at the United Nations, and they observe what goes on. And yet they tell their people that they are nonpartisan, not much. <laughs> the Catholic Church is also very much involved in politics and the world. But here's the thing, and I will close. For those of us which are saved, we don't want to become too political. And yet at the same time, the only exception I find in Scripture is when it comes to being a defender of Israel, a Zionist. And that's very clear from the book of uh, Galatians. Because you will have to take a stand. And yet at the same time you can correct uh, apostate Israel. You can criticize some of the Israeli prime ministers who have been masons in years gone by. But what you must never do is attack Israel as a nation or the Jews as a people. They are beloved. And you were told that from uh, Romans chapter 11. So eight verses from Revelation chapter 15. And as far as I uh, can recall, this is the, is, this is the uh, shortest chapter Thus far in the book of Revelation, in fact, it could be the briefest chapter in the entire Bible. And yet, eight powerful verses and eight is going to be a picture of something new, like the millennium. Seven, completion. Six, man, like 666. And five is a number of death. And such preaching is never heard. Such preaching goes over the heads of many people. And that's why it's so important not to get swept up in all this political rhetoric that's going on at the moment. Because politicians will let you down. Preachers will let you down. I will let you down. You will let me down. The only person who will never let you down is Jesus Christ. If you've got time in your hands, if you want to do something for him, start speaking up for him. Start defending him. I watch these people online arguing and bickering over unsaved politicians and 
apostate leader, so on and so forth. And I know perfectly well that such people don't go on the streets and give out tracts. Such people wouldn't spend five minutes trying to win a Muslim or a Jew or a Catholic to the Lord Jesus Christ. They'd much rather lock horns with Bible-believing Christians such as myself. But anyway, I shan't uh, go on any longer. So eight verses, like I say, completing this piece of scripture. Not much in the sense of doctrine, not much in the sense of additional light to what we've read already. But what you've seen this morning is the, uh, the eschatological clock ticking down. Very much the final throw of the dice and very much the Lord's uh, final moments of anger. You were told over in chapter 14 to give God the glory and you were told uh, elsewhere to worship him in spirit and in truth. And yet I think around this time in the book of Revelation, it's too little, too late for such people. So there you are, week number 27, broadcast number 27. And this will take us to around probably 13 hours or maybe 14 hours of material so far. It's a great uh, blessing to be able to do this. And also what I didn't mention and i'll just very quickly uh comment now is the fact that we are not appointed unto wrath and if you go if you go to uh first thessalonians very quickly and i'll just give you this piece of scripture before i sign out because unfortunately the rapture is attacked and those that uh don't want to believe that we are already saved hate the idea that we will be spared the uh, tribulation because the tribulation of course is not for the church the tribulation is going to be for the world for unbelieving israel and for those that get saved uh, during the tribulation from first thessalonians and i will read this to you very quickly and in close we are promised from uh, first thessalonians chapter five look at verse eight Please, but let us who of the day be sober, putting on a breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Not appointed unto wrath, but to obtain salvation. The just shall live by faith by our Lord Jesus Christ. Who died for us, the whole world, and yet you've got to believe on him. That whether we wake or sleep, we should be together, or we should live together with him. A picture of the rapture, a picture of the resurrection. But I'm out of time, and I will leave it there. And next week, Lord willing, pick it up in Revelation chapter 16.